Welcome to another edition of the eSpot with Camille. The eSpot is your location for the latest in entertainment, beauty, and design from the people who make it. Thanks for joining. Episode of the eSpot with Camille. I'm your host, Camille Keller, and I cannot wait for you to meet my next guest. Um, she is Marley Ailes. She has the coolest new app that she's just reinventing the, the fashion industry and really putting sustainability as her number one focus for this. So let's bring her on up and let's hear straight from her how she's doing all these amazing things at such a young age. Thanks, Camille. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no. <laughs> appreciate you having me on. I'm a big fan of Eastwood. I love the podcast that you run. So thank you so much. Um, as Camille mentioned, I am Marley. I'm the founder of Brox, which is a peer-to-peer -peer clothing rental app. So what we mean by peer-to-peer -peer is I could rent out Camille's dress and then she could make money off it. So we're really trying to democratize the fashion industry, make it more accessible for everyone, and also really create a side hustle for people. The side hustle generation is, you know, really pumping up recently. So making sure people can make money off their clothing as well. It's really expensive. It's one of my biggest expenses is clothes <laughs> for sure. No, I get that. Cause so many times now there's this whole thing, like you can't wear the same dress twice, or you have to always have new looks to show, especially if you're working as an influencer or content creators and so on, just always keeping your well, I'm not really good at that because I love the idea of re-wearing the same things just to show that fashion is one of those things that keeps coming around. Like I wear some of my mom's old clothes for that same reason because it just kind of keeps turning around. So what made you decide to do an app like this? Yeah, it's such a thing like with consumer preferences shifting towards access versus ownership. People really want an item for a moment in time. Like you mentioned, influencers would be posting about it or doing a haul and they don't necessarily wear it after or even me like the way that it came out for starting the idea was I was looking for a dress to wear to a friend's wedding I had a closet full of dresses that I've you know already won wore to formal events that I didn't want to wear again and I also didn't want to spend like $300 on a dress that's just going to sit in my closet like the other ones so I thought there must be like an app or somewhere I could rent out an item from someone like that lives nearby me that has the dress that I might want or is a similar size style of me. Um, and to my surprise, there really wasn't anything. So I was like, I need to start this because it's, you're right, like it's such a shift in the consumer mindset these days where we just have a need for newness. And with trends going so quick and out of style, like it just kind of made sense to have kind of the access model for fashion. People get started with an app when you're explaining things to someone, a lot of times you're like have to compare it to other things for them to get it. But this is something so new and different. How did you go about even getting people to buy into it to understand like, you'll get you're getting your clothes back. It's just a temporary thing. Yeah, it's really difficult because peer to peer fashion rentals a new category, right? Like it's not like it exists. Um, well, it kind of it's, it's starting to exist and it's starting to pop up, but majority of people don't know about it, right? So I not only have to promote like what racks is, but I have to promote the entire category and educate people on how peer-to-peer -peer rental works. And you're right, there's platforms like Rent the Runway where they own all the inventory, so you're renting directly from them. It's not like that peer-to-peer -peer model where you can also rent out your clothes. And I'm in Canada, and I know the U.S. market is always ahead of Canada, um, so there are some players similar to racks in the U.S., but it just hadn't been brought to Canada yet. So really trying to be the one to to start it in Canada. 
I'm just blanking. I had a guest on before, Hope Noel Davenport, who did um, Hope Trader, and it was um, it was similar model, but it was mainly only designer clothes. So it gave you that option of trading in your old Louis Vuitton for a new, or maybe not necessarily new, but new to you <laughs> type of thing. But it was still like a trade, like almost there was no real money being exchanged. You couldn't rent or buy. So it was a matter of. Um, it was interesting because I got a couple of like Diane von Furstenberg dresses from it and enjoyed that idea. But it was just one thing I wonder about because she was a tailor. She was able to like fix any men's or anything as well in case the product came in not completely perfect. So what it what for you do you make sure for I guess from the client side that when they receive the garment, it's in the same condition that it, it was advertised to them too, but also on the other side that the person lending the dress gets it back in the same way that they originally gave it. You know what I mean? Like, how do you make sure that the quality control with that? Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good question. That's probably the number one question that we get asked is like, oh, I'm not too comfortable renting out my clothes. Like, what if I don't get it back? Or what if it's ruined? We want to make sure that lenders are 100% covered for their item for lending it out. So we make sure that borrowers can opt in for a protection policy. So it covers like minor wear and tear. So if like a zipper comes back broken or there's like a stain, like we'll pay for the dry cleaning. And then if they totally like ruin the item or don't, don't give it back, which has never happened before, thankfully. Um, but if they do, then the borrower is liable to pay for 100% of the value of the item. So we really want to make sure there's like zero risk in lending out your item. Fantastic. I'm glad to hear that because... That would be my main concern because sometimes you don't want to get rid of your clothes because you do like them, but they need maybe they need a new life for a little while. <laughs> I need to miss them to understand to like love them again. You know, you see it on somebody else like, oh, that's how they styled it. Maybe I should try something different. So there's also that fun part of it. But um, when you first started your business and got into it, was there ever a time where you're like, oh my gosh, this is too hard? What am I thinking? And how did you overcome that? Like when I first started, I was like, why would I be the one to start this? Like it was such a good idea. Why wouldn't it be done? Why wouldn't it be done with someone with more experience than me, more resources, time, money? Like it was such a good idea. It'd already be popular and it would already be out there. And I think that's something a lot of entrepreneurs tell themselves, like why me? Why would I be the one to start a company? But if everyone thought that way, then we'd never have anything new. And you know, you think like, fashion retailers should be doing this already or like huge fashion brands should already be into peer-to-peer -peer rental like why haven't they but companies are so focused on like what they're doing presently that they don't always think about like the future of new trends so yeah definitely when I first started I I was doubting myself and I thought like why would I be the one to start this and even like some days now and when I first launched the app like I think you kind of never really get over that there's always kind of that doubt self-doubt um but yeah, you just have to keep going and really celebrate the little wins because that's what makes all the difference. You know, as an entrepreneur, you're like one step forward, 10 steps back, 20 steps forward, one step back, right? Like it's such a, such an up and down and that's kind of part of the fun as well. Totally agree. I, even today, for, I had a migraine earlier. That's why I have barely any makeup on today, but I was feeling a lot of like, all that when you're not feeling well, sometimes that negative self-talk can just really take over. And I was like, oh, I should stop doing this. I'm too tired. I'm older. You know, <laughs> I need to focus now that the strike's over. I should just focus on acting and so on. But then I got like a letter that said I was nominated for something. And I was like, 
why would I give this up? This is wonderful. Da, 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 da. They appreciate me. Unlike, you know, like you go through, all, but sometimes it just takes like someone pouring into you. It doesn't always need to be a nomination. It's just somebody telling you, this is a great idea. I love that you're doing this. And it's good to hear that from people, especially the people that are the closest to you, but even getting like surprise ones with reviews. Have you had anything where you, you want to shout somebody out that's maybe kind of kept being your encouragement, your cheerleader doing all of this? Well, congrats on your nomination. That is amazing. Huge news. And it's true. It just takes like those little things, those little wins where you're like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And then something happens. You're like, wait, I love, <laughs> I love doing this. Why would I quit? Right? Like it's such an up and down, but you got to hold on to those up. So congrats on your nomination. Um, yeah, I guess I remember my first like positive review. Um, and it was like in the first couple of months of launching and people were starting to use the platform and starting to get those like new names that I didn't know and the new listings from people and boroughs and it was super exciting. And I remember when um, woman reached out to me being like, I've been eyeing this dress for so long. It's like $800 and I obviously wasn't able to afford that on my own. But now that it's on racks, like I was able to wear it to an event and the way it made her feel. Cause you know, what you wear is a big representation of like how you're feeling. I know when I'm wearing a great outfit or put my hair and makeup, like you just present yourself in a different way. And she was like, I didn't want to go to this event, but I walked in there like so confident, got so many compliments and like it totally changed how she felt about herself. And it's stories like that where I'm like, okay, this is why we do rocks. Like, yes, we're a fashion rental platform, but it's the why behind it. And like how wearing an item makes you feel. So that was probably the best, like kind of first positive review that we got. And it, yeah, I still think about it today. That's fun. That's fabulous. I wonder for you, cause you are so young, were there like when people like maybe brought that up? Cause I know you have an amazing background. You've worked with some of the like growth strategists at Bell Curve and you did all these wonderful things with other companies, Ogilvy even, and you went to school of business. So do you ever like, how do you, how do you overcome that? Cause sometimes I feel like with people not distrust, but miss not always willing to give new opportunities on a great scale to younger people. And it's such a missed opportunity because like, I don't know, I feel like the closer you are to the root, the, the better chances that you're, you haven't been told no too many times. You're still a dreamer. You're still a believer. You still don't know your limitate or don't believe in those limitations yet. So it's like the perfect time to really try new things, to start these new businesses and fail or start back over, do all the things, you know what I mean? So how did you go get people to look beyond your age and really just understand you have the, you have the resume and the background to follow it up. So how do you go about doing that when you're pitching to people who maybe discredit you? You know what? It's so funny. When I first started, I was like 25 and I was like, oh, I should have started this like in university. Like it's, too late like it's such a side hustle like generation entrepreneurship where someone's like 14 making like a million dollars on tiktok like it's such a funny time where people are like so young and it's like a side hustle thing and i look back thinking that and i'm like that is so crazy like starting with 25 is so young like i don't know why i felt like it was too late or i should have done it earlier i think it's something that just gets told to people um but yeah i started at 25 and when i was pitching to like vcs and stuff it was that typical, you know, 50 year old white male kind of looking at me like, Oh, you have a fashion rental app and you're so young, like good luck with that type like thing. Um, so it definitely was a hard thing coming into like a whole new market, young and a female entrepreneur as well, especially someone that didn't have a background in like 
app development or, you know, launching a startup. So definitely received some of those from, um, you know, older males in the industry that just didn't understand what it is because they're not a user. They wouldn't be my target audience. They're not a user of my platform. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of weird how much men are involved in beauty, fashion, and cosmetics. And they're not the, the demographic that most of those products are made for, but they're the decision makers. Like it's, it's very frustrating when you're trying to like break into that industry and that, and you realize, oh wait, it's a boys club. <laughs> Like I don't golf, I don't drink or I don't drink, I don't smoke cigars, mm -hmm. I don't know. But um, so you finally got uh, obviously you got people that supported you and so on. How did you go about getting this information that you didn't have as far as finding app developers or even because there was a time I had long time ago before the eSpot even was a glimmer in my eye. My girlfriend and I had came up with the idea of the hotbf.com. The hotbf was the hot beauty finder. It was basically style seat before it, it, it before it started. It was going to be just so because I moved around a lot and I worked in the entertainment industry as a makeup artist as well. And it was hard Every time I've moved somewhere new, trying to find somebody that I trusted to thread my eyebrows or <laughs> to do my hair, or to do my nails or uh, esthetician and Botox, whatever. Like it was hard to like break the cracks and not always do people want to be like, oh yeah, I get Botox. This is who I go to. Like it's not something people always advertise. I do. You can check my Instagram. I'll tell you who. But um, needless to say, um, it like the first person we trusted to build our website out was a complete fraud, took the money and ran basically and couldn't never develop like, and then after that point, we were both kind of like, eh, maybe not. And I was pregnant at the time too. So mentally, I was just like, oh, I can't lose that much money again. I'm getting ready to have a kid. So for you, that's why I was asking about that just because I kind of regret sometimes that we did give up so soon, but it was also, um, it was a learning experience of like, you can do it yourself. You just got to find the right people. And sometimes people will tell you people that aren't, aren't there yet. So how did you go about finding the team that you could trust? And obviously they worked well. So can you give a little tips on how you did that? Yeah. Oh no. I'm so sorry that happened to you. There's so many horror stories in like the development world. And I actually kind of had this kind of, kind of a similar story, not that, that extent, um, when I first had the idea for Racks, I obviously have a marketing background. I'm not technical at all. So I originally tried to find that like technical co-founder. I was basically on like every co-founder matching site, um, messaging every like developer on LinkedIn. And I really couldn't find anyone that was as passionate about the idea as I was or someone I would get along with. You know, they really say finding a co-founder is like a marriage because um, you're working with them all the time and you have to agree on a lot of different areas. Um, so I just went the development route of like paying a developer. I got a bunch of different quotes and what I wanted to build for a fully coded app. They were like, okay, that'll be like a hundred grand in like a year. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I ended up doing a no code, like low code tool, which is a lot quicker, cheaper. Um, it's kind of like drag and drop and there's like some customizations that you can do. So I ended up going that route, um, had a developer through an agency. She was supposed to be working full-time on it. I found out she was only working part-time. She had a full-time job. So she was only working like a couple hours at night. Um, the app was supposed to take like two months. It ended up taking like close to a year, maybe seven or like eight months. Um, so we found out she had a full-time job. I got two new developers on from that agency. And then finally the platform was ready and it was completely slow. 
it was laggy it's just the no code platform couldn't keep up with the requirements of my app which i had no idea because i was told by this development agency that this would be the perfect solution for what i needed um i put a lot of trust into them because i really didn't know anything about the no code like platforms out there so spent seven months um more probably three times as much money as i wanted to and as as i was quoted because it took a lot longer and just like new features always kind of pop up that you need and then it was ready launched and it was slow and laggy and we're still like using that platform and it has taken another six seven months to take that platform to coded um so now i have a new cto on that is rebuilding the app but i kind of had a similar experience to you where it was like you know she was working full time then i got this app ready and it wasn't good at all and then now i have to fully rebuild it so there's a lot of horror stories in the development world I can only imagine. Um, I just, and that was the thing, like for me, because I wasn't very tech savvy. I was like, I don't really want to, I don't, I like, I didn't even know those no app or whatever you just said things exist. No code. That's it. No code. I'm like, I've never heard of that new information, you know, type of thing. So it's like clearly not my area, but it was just, I needed a need fixed and thankfully somebody else did it that was better at it anyway. And I use it all the time now. Thank gosh, my hairstylist uses style seat. So it's so easy to let me know even when she has like appointments available. This is not sponsored by style seat, by the way. <laughs> I just realized I'm saying a lot of names here today. None of them are sponsored. We're just talking. I'm sharing information that's worked for me. And I love that you've been so transparent about what you've gone through too. I think sometimes people just assume it's if if it's easy, then it's meant to be. If it's work if it's working too hard for you, then give up, and that's not true. Because sometimes it's right after the hard part, the best part starts happening. So tell us about the wins. What have been some of the big wins that you've had that has really just made you so excited about this app and just reconfirms the fact that this is the best app that you could have created, and you're so proud of it. Yeah, I think having a slow and like leggy app is almost the best test of if people are going to use a product that like doesn't work that well, then they're going to use a product that does really work well, right? Like something they talk a lot about in the startup world is product market fit and like making sure that your product is what people actually want. So being able to launch like using a no-code tool, which is cheaper, quicker to market, just get it out there, even though it has like its quirks and is a bit slow, was the best test because we were able to find out what users want get their feedback and then actually take that information. And now we're building that fully coded app that will, you know, be a lot quicker and actually be what they want because we've talked to them first. Um, so even though that was like, the worst thing we went through, it was probably the best because we were able to learn so much from that experience. Um, and then the other wins that we had was within 24 hours, we got over a hundred downloads of racks, um, just for like organic word of mouth marketing, like we didn't do any paid or anything. And I remember thinking, like if I just got like 50 users, like ever, that would be amazing. Um, and we hit over a hundred in just a day. So that was like probably the quickest, like, I don't know, affirmation that like we were doing the right thing. People actually wanted um, racks. And then another win that we just had was I was pitching in a pitch competition for Coors Legacy Lift. They, it was their 150 year anniversary and Coors, like the beer company had really humble beginnings and they started brewing, you know, in like the racement and grew into this huge global brand they are today. So they were doing their like 150 year anniversary. And I applied to pitch 
And then I actually won and it was a $40,000 grant, which is actually like huge. It's almost what I put into the, the business of my own money. So recouping that within not even a year of being live, which is kind of another, I like, I don't know, just another way of being like what you put in, you've already gotten back. So that was really exciting. And now I have money to play with for my new launch of the new app. That's amazing. Now uh, for users, because obviously you got more than a hundred now, but what would be like your biggest selling point for why somebody would need this? Why, like what, like, I know you mentioned the bridesmaids dresses, but I just want to make sure that people who sometimes like developers or like people that are investing, you have to really paint the picture for them to understand like, oh, this is why I need this. So what are some of the reasons that people would definitely need to use racks, especially in Canada? Because I'm really sad it's not here. <laughs> and I mean, I guess you can tell us if you're planning on expanding as well. Yeah, the U.S. will be the next place we expand to. Um, huge market there compared to Canada. So really excited to get into the U.S. Um, but why people would use racks on the borrowing side, you can borrow items for 80 to 90% discount. So if you have that, you know, dream dress, that's thousand dollars, you can rent it out for under 200 and what differentiates racks from some of the other players in the U S market, um, is you can actually rent for long term. So you can rent for up to six months, whereas other players you can only rent like daily amounts. Yeah. So we don't really have designer fashion. We have fashion that's like, I listed my like $80 pair of like metallic silver heels. Like they're not expensive and you could go out and buy them, but they're such a trendy item that maybe you only want them for six months, then you give them back to me and you can rent them from me for $10, right? Like if you go into my profile, you can rent a ton of things for me that aren't necessarily designer, but they're like cute items that you could rent for up to six months and get an 80% discount on. So we're really trying to play to like that mid-market and designer items are on the app too. So that'd be on the borrowing side. And then on the lending side, like why you would list out your wardrobe is if you have all these items just sitting in your closet that you spent hundreds, thousands of dollars on, you can monetize them. Like, you know, those formal dresses that you wear once a year, if that, you rent it out for the other 364 days and make money back on them. Fantastic. I'm so glad I asked that because... Um... I didn't even think about that. Like as far as it doesn't always have to be a high price item. It could be the trendy one. So thanks for bringing that up. And I wanted to also go over the fact of the sustainability piece of this. Why was that so important for you? Because I see that you wrote about the 8% reduction it does in carbon waste. And I, I mean, we all, hopefully you all now believe in climate change, but for on a greater scale, why was that important for you as far as your business goes? Yeah, it's funny. I think we all know like the fashion industry is, really bad, right? Like we know that it's bad for the environment and bad for people working in those conditions. But until I actually started looking at the research and the stats and started rocks, like I didn't realize just how bad it was and how it literally needs to change. Um, right now, the fashion industry is the second largest polluter right after the oil industry. Um, it, it emits more carbon emissions than shipping and oil combined. So, and flights combined as well. So we picture all the flights going on and all the shipping, like the fashion industry is a larger polluter than that. Um, and some other crazy stats, it takes two, uh, 2,700 liters to produce of water to produce one pair of cotton jeans, um, which is enough for people to, one person to drink eight and a half cups for three years. So just the magnitude of the resources that go into the fashion industry and how um, bad it is for the environment, like it needs to change. Um, so that was absolutely huge is instead of buying new, you can rent out items and that's where that 8% reduction in carbon waste and water comes in. 
if you were to buy new and have it sit in your closet. Um, so yeah, fashion rental is really closing the loop and circulating what garments we already have versus buying new. Thank you. Again, so smart. Uh, for our listeners, will you just share, I guess, whatever last minute things that you want to make sure everybody knows about Racks and how they can download the app, follow you, all of the good things, because everybody should follow her on TikTok because she's just so much fun anyway. But on top of that, tell us everywhere else we, that we can keep up with you. Thank you. I It's so cringy trying to be on TikTok, but you got to do it. You know, like you just got to own the cringe. Amen. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you can download Racks on the App Store and Google Play. If you're in Canada, it's just R-A-X. And then you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok. We're rent underscore Racks on both of those channels. Fantastic. Now, I know you said that the next thing is to, um, for you to get to America, but I'm curious, is there any big things that you also want to do with part of your with part of racks, are you planning to do any partnerships? Do you want to do that? Like, go ahead and put it down in the in the atmosphere. You never know what who may be watching and could help you with that. So, is there anything else that we can do to help support you as well? Yeah, well, with the new launch, hopefully in January, I'm really excited to start actually marketing it and doing those partnerships with uh, brands that are into sustainability as well and have kind of a younger female audience to partner with and building out our affiliate program so any makeup artists hairstylists spray tanners if you think about those people that are working with people going to events i'd love to build up my affiliate program with them and give them a percentage of commission from each rental so i know you mentioned to be makeup artists so <laughs> you probably understand that realm um so yeah those are two big things um if there's any like hairstylists people in the uh, industry that want to get involved in our affiliate program any influencers, we're building our influencer program as well in the new year. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited for the new launch and to do all those partnerships and affiliate influencer marketing. That's going to be amazing because uh, when you brought that up, it made me think about the entertainment industry. A lot of times with wardrobe and uh, they buy a lot of clothes and then they return it after we film in it. And if doesn't matter how much we might have sweated <laughs> while wearing it, which is also kind of gross. So at least with racks, because <laughs> um, I mean, we, they return it right back to the same store. But um, with racks, you're getting clean garments that you're borrowing and can send back. So even just even in the entertainment industry, I wish they would do something like that because it's such a waste and it's so bad in general, just for people that may be purchasing things, not realizing they're not really new because they know how to use a price gun, just like, <laughs> just like a Target or whatever store they're purchasing from. And then it's like one of the big secrets, I think, in entertainment industry, because they used to be that they could, at the end of filming, they could sell back some of the products, but then I don't know what happened. Maybe too many people were benefiting from that. So they weren't allowed to do that anymore on some productions anyway. And so, or maybe it's the statewide thing. I don't know, but um, I miss those days even with that. Cause that could be a great way of partnering with a film or TV show or whatever, where, especially since Canada has a lot of filming as well, where maybe those products that um, they filmed in suits or something, <laughs> you could get it and also um, rent it back out to people as well that they could end up getting, I don't know stuff from their favorite TV shows. You never know. So anyway, I love all that you're doing and congratulations on such an amazing app. Can't wait for it to come down to America, but you know, work out all those kinks up, up in Canada. They're a lot friendlier. <laughs> 
you won't have to worry about as many trolls by the time you bring it down here to America. So I'm excited about you bringing it down here. But yeah, good thing you're fleshing all that out before you do. Because woof, it's a tough yeah. audience down here. <laughs> but yeah, to your point, it's it's so true. People don't realize this. When you return items to a lot of these fashion companies, they actually just throw them out because it's cheaper to throw them out than to restock them. So a lot of your returns you're doing aren't actually making back to the store. They're just throwing it out. And it would be awesome to partner with different people in the entertainment industry, different TV shows, because they want to show they're sustainable too, right? Like we're all our clothing is rented through racks or like we're renting it out on racks. So I think it definitely will be kind of the new wave of entertainment and like the fashion industry is getting involved with players like racks to show that you're more sustainable because soon it'll be kind of a must, not a want, right? People are really forcing brands and even TV shows and stuff to show how they're sustainable. Like, what are your emissions like on set? Like, what are you doing to el like eliminate um, waste on set and stuff like that? Like, people are starting to ask those questions. So I think the entertainment industry will kind of move towards this new wave of sustainability as well. Fingers crossed. I love that. Well, again, thank you for tuning in to the eSpot with Camille. I hope you enjoyed my guest today and make sure you like, share, and subscribe and share this story with anybody you know that would also benefit from hearing about um, Mary. I'm just about to say your wrong name, Marley's, <laughs> Marley's uh, wonderful app rack. So thanks again for tuning in and I hope you have a wonderful day.